Hi everyone, I'm Rachel and this is Callum and we would like to welcome you all to Tough and Tarmac, the SACU official podcast. This season on Tough and Tarmac, we'll be speaking to some of Scotland's top riders from road race, motocross, trials, enduro, supermoto and more to find out a bit about their riding experiences and their favourite moments of their sporting career. This week's guest is Mr Steve Kershaw. Um, this was a really, really fun one to record. It's our very first one. Um, and Steve made it really, really easy for us. Um, Steve is two-time British champion, multiple-time Scottish champion. Um, he's won the Jock Taylor Trophy God knows how many times. Um, he was a really, really fun guest, and you guys will really, really enjoy this interview. Ah, so welcome to the first podcast, and the guest, as you can see, is Mr Steve Kershaw. Hello, Steve. How are you doing? Oh, I'm good, thanks. Calm yourself. Yeah, not bad at all. Um, just going to you know, crack on with this podcast. So question number one is going to be... So Steve, could you tell us about um, the discipline you're in and how you got started here? Yeah, so um, I race um, sidecars, um, three-wheeled machine with a rider and a passenger. And um, I got started in the sport because my mum and dad used to race sidecars many moons ago. So I grew up in the paddock as a kid and it was just something that I always wanted to do um, and it just really went from there as soon as I was it to be 17 to drive I always wanted to be the driver so I was 17 in the February and back in the day and then uh, in the March I was on track riding and I've never really looked back since to be honest. Yeah, yeah it's, a, it's a crazy crazy sport and um, obviously I've, I've watched it for years and years and years and I always think that you guys are the, the craziest people in the whole paddock so it's definitely the, the coolest or one of the coolest things that is definitely it's on. an interesting yeah it's an interesting one because it takes you know you've got to trust somebody else without being able to you know I can't there's no communication between myself and the passenger so you're very much hurtling around the track and and you know if the part okay I'm in charge of the throttle but if the passenger's not doing his job we're going off the track and if I'm not doing my job we're going off the track so you it is quite a unique sport that it probably doesn't get the, um, you know, the, the, the coverage that it probably deserves um, because it's, it's hard work um, having to do that two people together. So, yeah, it's, it's good. It's good fun. Yeah, absolutely. The, the most uh, communication you've got is like a big thump on the back yeah. if you're going too fast and yeah. not going fast yeah. enough. Yeah, you get cold and that's like, you know, it's either going horribly wrong or it's going really well, one of the two. <laughs> <laughs> um, so could you just tell us a wee bit about your beginning years in the sport? Like what, you know, maybe years one, two and three when you were just a novice, how did that go and how did you find it? Yeah, so 2005 uh, was my first year um, and I was just, I was riding a, a 1956 Triumph Big Wheeler. Um, it was a bit of a special, Owen Greenwood special. He was a, a bit of an innovator in the sort of the 50s and 60s um so started on that you know and it was a good way to you know cut your teeth on that because it was 100 mile an hour flat out um and you know so you, you could get your bearings and they didn't handle so you were sliding everywhere so you got bike control quite quickly and stuff like that so that was sort of 2005 so we did that for a year and then quickly realized you know that I was really enjoying it so we moved on to the sort of the modern stuff in 2006 and went on to um, Formula 2. We bought a, a DMR which is a type of chassis with a, an old Kawasaki engine 600 F2 and uh, 
went to just did sort of Scottish championship stuff, uh, and again really enjoyed that. Won the Scottish like the F two Scottish Cup in 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 two thousand and six, and all the Melville Cup and stuff, and and uh, and then from there just progressed straight then into the British Championship in two thousand and seven, uh, and that was really then the start of running in the British Championship and, and learned a hell of a lot very quickly getting in with the, there's only one way to learn in my book and you know you get in with the fast guys and that that's what teaches you you know whether you you'll know yourself calm coming up as well that you know you you might only get one corner behind them but you that one corner you can learn a lot you know you tag on and you go all oh, right yeah okay that's that's how that works and this is where we need to be on the track and it's the only way that brings you on so really from there on then it was just sort of all uphill <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. And see, when you first started, did you have, like, through 2005, six, and seven? did you have the same passenger through that whole time? Yeah, so I had the same passenger from when I first started in 2005 until 2015. So I had yeah. 10 years with the same passenger. Um, so I had that consistency. Um, a good friend of mine, Rob Wilson, and he taught me a lot about bike setup. Rob was 20 years older than me, um, which was probably a good thing because um, it kept my feet on the ground and taught me a lot along the way. We were, he was a novice when I was a novice driver, you know, he was a novice passenger, but he had a lot of experience within motorsports. So, it, you know, he had that set up knowledge and, you know, situation knowledge, breakdown knowledge, things like that, um, which made them, um, you know, my life a lot easier along the way sort of thing. So, yeah. Next one. Um, so what would you say your greatest achievement was in your time in the sport? My greatest achievement would be um, definitely winning the British Championship in 2018. That was sort of a lifetime goal of mine um, to do that. So, And then we won it again just last year in 2020. So to be British, double British champion is something that, like I say, it's something I always wanted to do and we worked really hard to get to that. You know, it took a long time to get to that, what highs and lows. So um, that is definitely, we, we've done, you know, we've done some other really cool stuff and, um, but that's that's definitely to date the, the best achievement by yeah. far, so. Absolutely. The, the the past few years of watching the sidecars, obviously my fiance Hannah's uh, a sidecar passenger, so I've only just really started taking a very keen interest in it. And it's you know on on the Sunday, the it's one of the best races you know on, on the whole day, um, because there's always three or four people at the front. Sometimes you know as as there is in everyone, there's a breakaway leader or whatever. But the past few years, it's just been so close and, you know, the battles have been crazy, especially between, I think it was 2018-19 when you and Todd Ellis were battling away. That was... Yeah, nine, yeah 19 was was incredible, really, you know. It was a big rule change in, in at the end of 18, we were the last 1,000cc British champions and then the rules changed and they, they changed it to um, being 600cc only, but in the, in the long chassis. Um and we weren't sure how that was going to go, but uh, we took to it really well, having never ridden a 600cc engine in a long chassis. Um, some guys had taken the jump early, you know, they'd, they'd sort of, and they knew it was coming, so they jumped early to get ahead of the game, which, you know, was fair enough. We hung it out to, to take the title and uh, with a steep learning curve in 19, but we got on board with it real quickly and we had an incredible year with Todd. It was, it was fantastic, you know, and we didn't, 
we lost the British Championship and so we came in as reigning champions and you know we could have gone out as the we were the last thousand cc champion could have we could have been the first 600 British champion but um you know it went down to the final round and you know, I think there was 21 races that year and Todd won 11 and we won 10 as teammates so you know it was a and there was some close racing. I don't think we had a, a qualifying. We were split first and second. I don't think we were any more than 0.3 all year. Um, you know, 0.3 of a second. I think the closest qualifying was 0.001 or something. It was, it was mega. And when it's like that, you know, it's whether you're first or second, you know, it hurts to lose. But if you've been in a race like that, it's oh, it's fantastic. You know, it's so close and it's fair. It's hard, but it's fair and it's, it's brilliant. It's what, it's what you do it for, you know. Yeah, absolutely. What what would you say your goals are for this season coming? What are you doing, and what are your what are your goals for this season? Yeah, so um, this year, um, two thousand and twenty one, we are now heading for the world championship. So um, we have been testing. We managed to get away to France in March testing, um, which went really well. Um, and now we've got. A, we were supposed to be at Le Mans in France for round one. Um, back in April, but that's been delayed um, till sort of mid, sort of start start to mid June. It's about the fifteenth of June um, that we head for round one. So um, that's that's what we're up to this year, and that's really, you know, that's really our target now. Um, is we've moved up into this world championship now, and that's where we're we're concentrating all our efforts on that. Um, we've joined forces with um, John Murphy from Quattro Group. Um, who's been a, a you know a big sponsor within motorcycle racing for quite a long time now. He's got a lot of experience, so we've joined up with John as sort of team quattro, and um, it's really exciting. And can't wait. It's been quite hard to get away testing, and then think it was like it was like three weeks before the first round, you know. So you're totally pumped and ready to go, and off the back of a good test, and we've had to sort of sit on our hands for two months. So, but you know taking nothing away that obviously everybody else is not getting to do the things they want to do either. So um, taking that into consideration, it's not too bad. But, you know, you get all, oh, I'm ready to go. And um, But when we get started, it's going to be epic. We've got a lot of learning to do this year. You know, we know that we've got the pace in the bike. Um, and myself and my passenger, Ryan Charlwood, um, who won the British Championship with last year, um, we feel good on the bike as well. But it's just... Uh, We've got to learn the tracks now as we go. You know, we've got a lot of new tracks. We've got, I think, eight rounds. I've got three tracks that we know. We've got Donington Park with the World Superbikes. We've got Assen with World Superbikes. And we've got Brands Hatch Grand Prix with the BSB. So that's three circuits that I've done quite a lot. So that's, that's, they weren't all in there at the start of this, the calendar. There was the Brands, but there wasn't the Assen and the Donington. They followed on a little bit later. So to have them added in for me is a massive bonus to, to be able to just, you know, you're not always chasing your tail at a circuit that you don't know. You know, the racing guys, multiple world champions that have been doing these circuits for 10 years and they know every nook and cranny, as they say. So, um, you know, likes of Le Mans and then we go to two weeks later, we go to Pannonia Ring in Hungary and, you know, we've, so we've got a lot of learning to do a lot quickly. But we're well aware of that and it, it's a stepping stone this year we're hoping for to get some good results in, but really I'm looking to the year after and the year after that's when um, I would hope to be sort of um, challenging 
uh, or maybe it wins hopefully well that's the plan that's what I'm going yeah. to do so <laughs> we'll just have to see yeah so where do you see yourself in five years time then oh god that's a killer question that would have seemed fun if I, I'll be honest I'm never I never like to say on, on like media or anything like that but I'd like to think of the world champion that's the plan um <laughs> but uh, like I say, that's not something I come out and say very often. But yeah, uh, that is what I'm. That's why I'm going to do the world championship. I'm not going to make the numbers up. I'm going because you know I grew up watching all the guys, and and uh, I've got this opportunity now, so I'm taking it with both hands and myself and Ryan. And yeah, that's so that's hopefully when I see myself in five years. So we'll see. As you say, you know, you, you, you can't go there with any other mindset other than you're going there to win. I mean, that's that's literally the only reason that it's not the only reason we go racing, but one of the main reasons you go racing is for the, the euphoria of winning. So, no, yeah, absolutely. And as well, you know, when you're coming up through the ranks and you start, you get like a, you know, like a PB, you might you finish, you finish sixth and it's brilliant and then so on and so forth and you work your way up and then you start winning and then you get a win and that's great and then. You know, like 2018 and 19, we you know we won a lot of races, and then anything else but winning then becomes a bit dull. It, it sounds a bit odd, but it just does. You know, there's because there is. It doesn't matter how many times you win. There's nothing like winning. Yeah. And, and so then to you know, so you sort of you know we've done what we, what we needed to do in, in in the British Championship. So for me now, you know that next goal is going to the world championship and then sort of going right well let's go for the let's aim to be in the top five and then let's aim to get on the podium and consistently on the podium and then we're aiming to win you know over the course of three years or so so it, it's sort of all starting again and at, at, at that next level so but yeah it's certainly it's a bug that you like say i don't go to make the numbers up i wouldn't be i wouldn't be racing if i was going to make the numbers up because um I've got plenty of other things that get sacrificed to come and do it. So I'm, I'm going out there because I want because I want to win and yeah. that's what we're good at. So yeah, actually, that actually leads on you know quite well to the next question, which was you know if that's the challenges that you're facing at the moment going forward, what's the challenges you've faced previously coming through and you know to get to get you to where you are today? Yeah, lots. <laughs> yeah, crashes and injuries and you know it's. Uh, Oh, it's not been an easy road, you know. We um, we sort of went, uh, you know, we sort of had, in, I've had illnesses and all sorts of things that have sort of curtailed seasons along the way. It's probably taken me a lot longer to get to being a British champion than, than I probably thought it would, um, you know. And then 2015 I had a massive crash with Rob, um, you know, and that was really hard. Um, hard to you know, and it took a lot. It took a lot to come back from that as well. So, um, yeah. So it's 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 not been easy getting there, and even you know even sacrifices at home. Like my wife will laugh because you know <laughs> summer holidays are just non-existent. It doesn't happen. We don't go abroad. Yeah. Um, you know I've got a joinery business as well, and and I've got two young boys. So. Um, I've got now he's, uh, he's four and Owen's two so you know they're not coming to the world championship so you know I'm away for two weeks three weeks and uh, you're away from the family and stuff but that's uh, that's just what you know unfortunately 
you know, you have to make you have to take these choices as to whether you're gonna make these sacrifices and be away from the kids and and you know miss in your best mates wedding and stuff just because and I think that probably rolls back to um why I'm why you say that you know we're going because we want to win because because of what you're sacrificing yeah you uh it's a lot you know so it's got to be worthwhile it's not so sort of, oh, you know we're going to go over there and go and get drunk all weekend you know it's not the case we're going out there to try and achieve something quite uh, special and and uh it makes it makes the sacrifice worthwhile, although it still can be difficult at times. To yeah. I think as well, sometimes when you stop, it's you yeah. sort of think, "Oh God, is it worth it?" But then you get on that top step, and you know, it's it it, it, it certainly feels worth it to me. And, and you know, I've got fantastic support at home as well, so um, I'm very lucky that way with my mum and dad. They're always there, and Ria's and my wife is, is behind me 100% all the time as well. So that makes a huge difference to being able to go because that would be probably nigh on impossible otherwise, to be honest. Yeah. So what would you say your biggest motivation is then? Would you say it's the winning aspect and just how it feels to be on the podium? I would say that my biggest motivation, yeah, definitely is 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 winning um, and achieving what I want to achieve. Um. Yeah, 100%. That, that's that's what motivates me to go racing, definitely. Yeah. Those challenges almost make that motivation, the motivation needs to be heightened when those challenges do come, you know, like injuries and things like that. When you get an injury, your motivation does seem to dip. Like, you know what I mean? Everybody's does, your motivation dips, but it's getting out of that dip and back up that's the difficult bit, but the motivation of winning definitely gets you back up there. Yeah. Yeah, you know, Rob and I, when we had our big crash in 15, you know, um, I don't know if Rachel knows, but um, Rob, you know, Rob, my passion at the time ended up in a wheelchair from it. And, um, yeah, you know, to, to, I had, you, you got two choices then to, <clears throat> you know, this even this is what, how many years on now? And it still hard to talk about. Yeah. Um, you got two choices. You, 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 you either, you know, what, what doesn't break you, makes you sort of thing you know and that's basically you know I had to take I had to feed off that to come back because we were sitting second in the British Championship at the time so I knew that at that point at 15 2015 I knew that we were on course that I'm not sure if we'd have won it that year but you know it was coming so and and we'd worked so that been that been 10 years in the making to get to that for then for what is un, unforeseen and, and you know very unlucky accident to happen it, it it's it's either like right you know what forget it mm-hmm. but i'm you know i'm not really like that so you know i had to take that and use that fuel to get me back you know i had a, a year off from injury myself from that and then you know come back and come back out and go no i'm you know you're not this isn't this isn't how it's ending this is not how this is not how the story's ending you know i've got more to give so um that's definitely that definitely fueled me for 17 and 18 to get back to win the british championship for sure and then from there on (laughs) i dare say i said to my wife that if i win the british championship i'll hang my boots up but (laughs) (laughs) but then you know but then that sort of sort of that world championships there and you're going you know we're racing the guys that are in it and we're on pace and the lap times are there and um you think you know so we just we just 
keep on going. So uh, yeah, it's uh, it's a funny old game. Yeah. It certainly is, and that was clearly the right choice as well because of the achievements you've had. You know what I mean? Like if you know if if you hadn't, it would have been a case of what if rather than now. It's like you know I've I've done that. Done it. Yeah, I didn't want to. I didn't want to come away from the sport, and you know, I didn't want to be one of those guys in fifteen years in the pub going, "Oh, I could have been." <laughs> I, yeah, yeah. I wanted to say that I've either done it or, you know, maybe like you say, with the five years question, Rachel, um, you know, that I could turn around in five years and say either I'm world champion or do you know what I, I fell short, but I gave it my best shot, you know, and I think if you do that in anything that you do. Everybody, oh, nobody can, you know, any they can only give you respect for doing that in any in any sport, obviously, you know. So that's that's certainly the way I look at it. I don't I don't want any regrets. Um, almost sounds a bit cheesy, but I certainly I think people with since the COVID thing as well now are probably a lot of people are probably looking at life a bit differently and thinking, ah, do you know what? Actually, let's have a go at that or whatever it may be because you just you don't really know what's coming, do you? Now after that, because it's been a it's been such a weird year bit um, with the whole situation. So you're actually making this this interview flow really really well for us because the next question is how has COVID affected your training and testing program? So you know with with March you know last year you would have literally just been getting ready to go to the first few rounds of the championship and things like that. How did that affect your tra- your training program like off the track and then the testing program on the track? Yeah, do you know, it was really odd because we were, it was like the week before we went testing and like we literally had the bike in the van waiting for an email to confirm it was that close to us going to France and not really knowing like, you know, watching all the news and being like, it's not that bad, it's not that bad. And then, you know, and then being like, oh, actually, this is, this is pretty serious, you know, and thinking, well, it'll be, you know, well, okay, we won't go testing, but we'll be on the bike in April, you know, and it just, you know, it just stopped, you know, as you, as you know. And for me, training-wise, I've been quite fortunate, actually, because where we live in the borders, Scottish borders here, where, you know, luckily here there's plenty of room, you know, plenty of space. Um, and we live sort of five miles from any town up on that kind of farm area. So we've got space. So I've got an enduro bike um, that I train on uh, weekly every 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 weekend I ride it I do I get the stopwatch on and I do an hour an hour and a half you know non-stop and I've got a bit of a circuit through the woods and stuff so luckily for me because I'm I can't do the gym I've tried and I just I just can't get motivated looking at myself in the mirror so anyway it's just not good <laughs> so you know and I find the enduro that I get that sort of bit of need for speed I get a bit of kick you know you get that rush and the, and the body, the full body workout it gives me is, is insane. You know, it's so good. It really works everything. Um, so I, I was lucky enough that I was able to continue that. Um, the only thing I watch, normally I would train hard for the winter and, and then back right off to the summer because I don't want to injure myself. So I don't tend to ride it once the racing starts. Um, I tend to do um, a bit more sort of cycling or a bit of jogging. Or I did do... I used to do a lot of swimming um, because I found that once I started swimming, I wasn't a very good swimmer. And once I started swimming, it made a huge difference to my lung capacity when I was riding. Like I couldn't believe the difference when I was sort of back in the 2009, 2010, you'd be 
half race distance and you're you know you were blowing you know and you're really struggling and you started losing concentration and you were you know you start thinking that things were hurting and your arms were sore and you were not concentrating on what you were doing you were just trying to get to the end of the race and I thought this is no good I'm going to get better and went swimming and really struggled swimming because I'm not a great and I just plodded away with it and stuck at it and then I'm still not a great swimmer but I'm very I'm okay now you know and the difference that I found with my my lung capacity from regular swimming every week um was astounding I really would say to anybody that was looking to get fit to start with is swimming because it doesn't strain the body as much as well because you're in the water but it works all the muscles and the constant breathtaking is is I couldn't believe the difference and it's still something now I do I haven't swam for a while it tends to be something I do in the winter but obviously this winter and last well no last winter was all right but this winter with with COVID it's not really happened but um it's definitely something that if I feel the need to top up then swimming's swimming's the one because cardio is you know it's not a massively you don't have to be super strong you know to be a bike racer I think I mean you've got to be strong but you've got to be lean with it even you know like surviving super bikes column it's you know you've got to muscle them around and on the sidecar you like the way I ride my outfit it's not you know you shouldn't be gritting your teeth and throwing it around the corners so you need to be lean strong and have endurance and 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 have that endurance so that you you know you're not the brain is able to focus 100% at the end of the race that's for me that's the key thing because then you've got that you're not you're not struggling just riding a bike because you you know you're battling you've got to make decisions at the very end of the race and that I think is where maybe some people go wrong where they go they look super fit and they got you know huge biceps on them but it it doesn't make any difference if they you know if they train for power it's not it's not about that you know it's about uh, it's about keeping your, your head in the game at the end of the race and just having that endurance there to especially you know the longer stuff you do so we're going now from British Championship 10 lap races to you know which so a, a 20 minute race say for argument's sake 15 to 20 minute race at British Championship to a 45 minute race um, in the in the World Championship in potentially 30 35 degree heat in the likes of Hungary Croatia and stuff so a lot more taxing physically and mentally you know competing aside just maintaining that pace you know so setting the qualifying time and then maintaining that pace in the race for 45 minutes in that heat so you it's a different style of fitness you know yeah I think a lot of people probably don't realize how physical a sport it is you know people think you know like oh I ride my bike to work every morning. It takes me half an hour, 40 minutes, whatever it is. But, um, you know, riding a superbike, riding a sidecar, riding any of the any of the disciplines at all, it's so taxing on your body. And like you say, having the, the endurance capacity, the muscular endurance and the cardiovascular endurance to make those split-second decisions and be able to do them accurately at the end of a race is the, the be-all and end-all. You know, if you, as long as you can be there at the end of the race, you need to be able to then make those choices and make those passes. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I always say to people as well, because get, you get that a lot and they go, well, that doesn't, that doesn't, you know, I can drive my car for ages, you know, but I say to them, well, I'll tell you what, you drive your car for 45 minutes as fast as you possibly can the whole time. You know, it's, you can't, it, it's so difficult to ride something at its limit 
and at your physical and mental cap limit, you know, capability for that length of time. That's what's tough. Anybody, like you say, you know, oh, I can ride around in a circle for half an hour, no problem. But to ride at that level, and that's something that, you know, that's something again that I say to, not that I was much better when I was a teen, but um, I say to young lads, my nephew and stuff that, you know, going racing, you're able to put everything in and you don't have to leave anything at, you know, you don't have to leave anything at home. You can give it 110%. And you know, if you make a mistake and you mess it up, you know, there's runoff and there's people there to look after you and everybody's going the same way and there's no pedestrians and there's no, you know, and that's where you're, you're able to do that, you know, rather than doing it on the road and, you know, you know, go down the pub and brag about how fast you've gone well you know for me uh, like i say don't get me wrong i was i was no angel when i was a young lad but um it, it, you know i think if you want to seriously go fast then the racetrack's the place to go definitely yeah, yeah completely agree um so pre-covid what did your weekly timetable look like in terms of training and testing well because I've got my business to run. Uh, it was always a bit of a, it's always and still is a juggling act, to be honest. So really, um, you know, I've got, I would work five or six days a week on with the joinery. Uh, yeah, I would uh, work on the tools, which, you know, luckily would have quite a physical job. So, I mean, that keeps you fit in itself. And then you would always then, you'd maybe be doing something at work that was um, like plasterboard in the ceiling or something like that. So, which is a hard job, well, you push extra hard and it would always become the, it would always become the, the training for the day. You know, yeah. you get home, you're absolutely knackered and you can't, you know, you'd never go to the gym after that anyway. Um, um, so, but I would do my jobs and then normally I would try and train two nights a week through the week and, and, and then, either a Saturday or Sunday. So that was kind of how I worked it, whether that would be um, in the winter, maybe I, I played indoor football. Um, again, anything competitive, and I'll put, put me on a treadmill, and I'll do it, but I just but put me put me in a game situation and I will, if you put me on a football pitch even, I'll run until I'm, until I'm physically sick, if that means I'm going to win. Yeah. I've just got, yeah. you know, and, and so that then for me then becomes good training. So. Um, I play indoor football and like I say, I maybe swim and then play indoor football and go out on my bike at the weekend. So that was kind of, but it wasn't, you know, you know, the nature of the sport, you know, we're not, we're not superstars here. So, you know, work comes first through the week at the minute. Um, and that, that, that takes priority because I've got to put food on the table for the kids and stuff. So, um, but that was sort of pre-COVID. And the only thing that's really changed is that, is the midweek stuff where you're going somewhere where that's now not happening. But hopefully again it will soon. So at the minute, really, it's weekend training, and now the clocks have changed and the nights are getting lighter. I can actually get out of my enduro midweek as well for a quick blast if I've got time as well. So yeah, yeah. I think I, I think a lot of people will probably find what you've just said a little bit odd that you're a, you're a joiner during the week. Like you know, people will look up to you and think like you know you're a, a superstar to a lot of people. You know, people watching on Eurosport every week will be like. Oh my goodness! Like Steve Kershaw is out racing, winning winning side car races on the Saturday and on Sunday he's fitting plasterboard on the ceiling. Like people will find that. Oh, so yeah, good, no. I, I get. Yeah, it's funny. Yeah, uh, just yeah, I think people do see that, but you know, unfortunately, there isn't the money in the sport that 
there isn't some other motorsports. So, um, you know, we have to, um, yeah, I've got, I've got a day job. Yeah, that's it. I, you know, I did my apprenticeship and I went self-employed seven years ago now and started my own business purely because of the racing, because of the time off I was having. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's quite funny. Um, meet people at, at tracks, you know, during the season, and they'll say, you know, so you'll, you know, where are you heading next? And you're going, oh, home. Yeah. Work at eight o'clock in the morning. And you know, I mean, I've, we've been to places where I've been racing in Ireland and um, got the midnight boat home. And then my dad would drive the truck home. And I got out the truck at half past seven in the morning, got my coat, got my work gear on, and got in the van and then drove to work. And then worked an eight hour shift on Monday and then home you know and then that was even even now you know I'll, we'll be at Brands Hatch uh, depending on even like the last round is maybe if we're last sometimes we normally get a, like a mid-afternoon race but even then by the time you've packed up it's sort of seven o'clock at night or five six seven but you know we've got a nine hour drive home so you know it can be two o'clock three o'clock you know in the morning so you just you get in you go to bed and you get up at after seven o'clock in the morning and you go to work and that's just and some people are amazed by that, but I presume it just becomes the norm. You know, you just sort of think, well, my choice, so you just have to get on with it. And, uh, yeah, absolutely. It. Well, what would you say is, you know, from, again, like, leading on from that, so if someone, you know, who would consider themselves as normal wanted to join the sport, um, or, you know, someone like a kid who's aspiring to be a sidecar racer or even just be in, in any you know, type of motorsport, what would you say your advice to them would be for joining? Really, they want to get in touch with the likes of the, you know, the SACU or, you know, or the ACU or, you know, possibly even like the Scottish Sidecar Club, but the SACU would put them in touch with sort of thing and just make it known that they're, you know, they're either looking to, to you know, passenger. It's quite often a lot of people passenger first yep. and then move into driving. Um, but you know, you can get your, you can go and get training done. You get classroom training, and then on bike training, we've done myself and um, Stuart uh, Clark was my passenger after Rob before Ryan. I've had Rob and then Stuart and then Ryan and um, myself and Stuart have done quite a lot of training at Not Kill again pre-COVID, and um, where we get teams up and you know new passengers and just help them out, get them into sport. You know that's becoming something that's it's only just happened. It's actually Again, it's something that COVID really killed off, but it was just getting going. It was just really getting started on a summer's evening. You know, it was sort of six to eight at Not Kill, where we could just get novice riders and passengers up who were new to the sport. And you just had that time to give them, because it used to be, you know, East Fortune, Saturday morning, you've got a full day's racing ahead. Everybody does. You're in race mode, and then you'd get called up to do a training before the first practice, and you're not in the you're not in the mood. You know, that's yeah. not what you're there to do. And oh, don't get me wrong, we've always helped out, glad to help out. But the, but going going for a purpose training session midweek is perfect because you've got all the time then to sit down with them. You're coming in, you're getting off the bike, you're talking it through with them, giving them advice, tips. You know, as a driver, we would then I would then I can follow the I can follow them and watch them. They follow me and pick lines and so you know if if you're keen you know if somebody's watching this and they think oh i fancy a shot of that then um 
certainly get in touch with the you know the Scottish Sidecar Club or the ACU, SACU or you know any of these any of these um, you know the clubs, the Bempsey Club as well down south and 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 uh, Melville Club. There's there's loads of places if you if you start looking that you know that's a good thing with motorsport as well is everybody's everybody's willing to help. You know, everybody, nobody's sort of like, nobody turns their norms up. You know, anybody can have a go, no matter what age you are, you know, whether you're watching this at 17 or watching this at 16, it make any difference. You know, if you want to have a go, then, then then have a go. And there's always somebody there to help. Um, so we'll just finish with some final quickfire questions, if that's okay. Uh, so who's your biggest inspiration in the sport? Steve Webster. Yeah, yeah, Steve Webster was... Uh, 10-time world champion and he was the man when I was growing up I mean there's lots of superb riders in the sport that I'm lucky enough that I'm competing against some of them now um but Steve Webster when I was a lad was the man you know I watched him as a kid and I watched him at Mallory Park he got beat actually by Steve Abbott and I was not happy um <laughs> I remember watching when I was about well I don't know about six um uh, yeah, so he, like I say, he was the, you know, it was like the kind of, the Carl Fogarty was the man on the superbike and Steve Webster was the man on the sidecars when I was growing up. So he was always, uh, and I met him properly when I went Formula One, moved into Formula One in 2011. I, I met him and he helped me out a bit um, that year at the very start. And it was, uh, you know, they say like, you never meet your heroes, but uh, the guy's, he's a legend, yeah. absolute legend. Nice one. Uh, next question: What would you say is your favourite track? And you could even give us, you know, one in the UK, and then if you've been elsewhere. I mean, obviously, I know you've been abroad to do testing and stuff. So, what's your favourite track in the UK, and then elsewhere? Yeah, so I've got. Oh, I like quite a few, to be honest. I would say my favourite, if I'm if I'm honest, I would say my favourite is Brands Hatch Grand Prix circuit. It is incredible. Ah. Uh, absolutely love East Fortune because it's home it's just home from home that place I just I love going there and I'm really really hoping that they get up and running this summer late on and, and maybe if there's a there used to always be a meeting in September and if there is and, and I'm not a world championship I'm coming because I just it's a fabulous place and it's fabulously run and uh, I'm always keen to support it and it's it's uh, yeah and and then I've only really again. I'll 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 maybe answer this question again in a year, in a year's time when it comes to <laughs> what, what comes to European circuits. Certainly, you know, I've done Aston quite a lot. The Cathedral of Sweden. It is it is an incredible circuit, incredible circuit, incredible atmosphere. The Dutch fans are crazy, and um, it is definitely one that I would recommend to any racer if they get a chance to do any form of track day or you know. Uh, Dutch superbike meeting or anything like that because it is superb, superb. Absolutely. Um, so can you tell us one interesting fact about yourself that no one would know? Uh, oh, uh, I had... Uh, that's a good one. Um, <laughs> I had open-heart <laughs> surgery in 2013. I don't know how many people know that. Um, so that's quite interesting. Um, something from monitored from birth and, and uh, I ended up I had a valve sparing aortic root replacement in 2013 so I missed that season because <laughs> of that 
Um, so yeah, it's not something that I, you know, publicised too much. I just again, I just got on with it, and that's something else that kind of got wrote off as that'll be career ending, but yeah, ah, it takes more than that to stop me. <laughs> I think I think that's a really good thing to you know to to put out there to a lot of people. You know, a lot of people will see these barriers as you know absolute barriers that can't be overcome, and you know like I'll. In motorsport, it's an extremely dangerous thing. You know, we're going to crash, we're going to be injured. But as well as what actually happens, you know, natural things that happen that can't be helped, you know, that you can still overcome them and, them and still participate in the sport. It's not There's nothing that can absolutely stop you from doing it. Yeah, I think that you bang on that with that, Calm, because I think people, they look at the sport, motorsport, and they go, no. But there's so many things. Like, there's so many things in life that get you, you know, so many that that you don't have to do anything you could stay in your house your whole life and you know you know this you know the list is endless of things that, that diseases and things that we all know of that, that, that take people that you love and you know pretty much everybody knows somebody that you know that's happened to so you're absolutely right it's not like we say and i say to people everybody's going the same direction everybody's there for the same reason medics are on site you know, everybody, you can't race without all the proper gear on. Um, it's 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 far safer than driving down the M6 anyway, that's for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, what would you say is one word that describes you best? Determined. Definitely. Yeah, 100%. That's it, really, yeah. If, I can't, if, I, if, if I'm not... Uh, yeah, if my bike's not good enough, it's not working good enough, it, it, uh, it, it's determination that gets me there in the end. With I'll just keep working and keep working and keep working and we get there eventually. I think that, you know, another one from an outside looking in, I mean, resilience must be, I know, up there for one of the words that yeah. describes you best. Just from what we've spoke about, you know, this whole interview, you've, you've definitely, you know, got so much determination, so much resilience. Yeah, um, stubborn <laughs> <laughs> just uh, yeah yeah no i, I don't know it, it, it you know i just want to get on and do it so i do it and that, that's really it to be honest i don't really like i say we said before i don't really mess about just you're gonna do it do it full, full send as we're saying recently isn't it? Full full send. Send. yeah that's it yeah full gas give it some <laughs> yeah. you're only here once let's have it <laughs> nice one well that's all i questions today Steve thank you so much for joining us oh, you're welcome thank you very much for inviting me it's been great to talk to you guys and uh, hope you all have a successful year yourselves with everything that you're doing thank you um, yeah absolutely you too yeah have you got anybody you want to shout out to or any sponsors you want to say thanks to any social media anything like that yeah, if, um, if anybody wants to follow us on, on Facebook and Instagram at Kershaw Racing, please do, that would be great. And uh, I want to just big shout out to my team, first of all, and uh, and then to uh, Quattro Group, Bob and, uh, and, and John at Quattro, and uh, Jimmy Shanks, Blink Bonnie Quarry, Book Still Clean, you know, Massive Doctors, KCP. Yeah, everybody that's helping us achieve the, the dream that we want to achieve uh, couldn't do it without you and uh, we'll, hopefully we'll make you proud Cheers. absolutely hopefully in a year's time we'll have you on as a repeat guest and we can speak about your year in, in world championship as well and how that's gone yeah that'd be cool that'd be cool <laughs> yeah absolutely great well thank you again
No worries. Bye-bye.